always. Hello. Hello. Stacy's back. Like Hello. Backstreet. All right. That was so, two weeks ago. We're talking about uh, that. that. I'm over it. No, Jeff, I'm and, Jeff and I did not talk about Backstreet. So. I was surprised. We could have. Because. What year did Jeff? Know, what year did Jeff graduate high school? Ninety-two. Okay. Ninety-one. So he was in his twenties, like in the thick of it. Ninety-one. Ninety-one. Ooh, that was a good time. I'm a little jealous of you, Jeff. You're like right in the thick of it. Like my mom graduated high school in 1970. I'm like, man, you were like in it. Yeah. You were like the right age. Yeah, but I was 87. Heidi was 89. Jeff was 91. So. I was born in 88. Ricky so was born in 89. He was. So. His wife is a little older than him. Was she born in 88 or 89? She was born in March of 89. So. Okay. So she's she's, like al- she's exactly almost exactly six months older. She's almost exactly a year younger than me. Because she's, she's March 1st, right? March 1st, Ricky's September so 1st. So she's a year and three days younger than me. How about that? Hi, Courtney. Emma was just saying yesterday, my 15-year-old daughter was saying, we never had birthday parties for Courtney. So we always do, but we also include right, her like, kids because that's a little more she's important. got like three kids in the same right. couple of days. And there, once so. you get old, nobody cares. <laughs> right. yeah. I still want cake. But her, year, her but oldest son is the same birthday. Right. And then she's got a younger son that's like two days off and another son that's like a week off so they're all kind of in that same window they stack them up a lot of cake a lot of presents a lot of little freckled Irish kids freckled Irish kids yeah that was not my nickname in high school (laughs) I've been deep diving like I paid for it and everything into Ancestry.com well all right I mean I'm finding out things and I also I also paid for a subscription to the archives of the Herald Palladium because this is not podcast fodder. See if we can tie this into what we're talking about. My great, your super interesting, murderous, murderous past. past. Well, yeah. yeah. If I talked, I've told you that my great grandfather was a murderer. Yes. Straight yes, up, straight up murdered his wife. Um, but it was. She like, says with a chuckle in her voice. But it was this because when you read, it is, it's a long time ago. It was. So if it were but like you, last week, it would be a lot harder right. to chuckle. But when you read the story, especially like how the paper portrayed it at that time, it literally, it really plays out like a novel. Like you're reading a movie script because they'll, it's from the courtroom and they're, they're word for word saying what people were saying on the stand and the, the, the language is just slightly different because it's, you know, that old timey whatever and mm. how people talk. Just really interesting despite the <laughs> fact that it's murder. Um, well, so yeah. there's that. It's really interesting, but I'm finding out that, you know, we were German, but we were Russian, and I'm also very much Mexican. Like, on my dad, yeah. Why am I so pale? Why can't I get a team? You're a pasty Mexican. That's not fair. (laughs) Like, I love a burrito, but I'm super Mexican, like, on my dad's side. Like, there's Valdez's and Consuelos and Jesus's and da 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 da. And I'm like, what? You have to break out your Spanish skills. I have horrible Spanish skills. I like Mexican food, but I'm super, like, I'm not white. I'm clear. Uh, there's there's all kinds of Larry in you. Look up your history, people. <laughs> it's fascinating. I want to do one of those, tw- like, ancestry DNA things to really see where we're all coming from. But, yeah, my dad's side of the family straight up from Mexico. So You can tell a lot from DNA. You can. Apparently. Apparently also, like, what illnesses you're susceptible to. You know, once upon a time, we believed that you could tell whether someone was male or female by the X and Y chromosomes that they had. The good old days. Apparently, that doesn't matter anymore if you just... There are no rules. ...decide that you're whatever you want to be. I sent you that TikTok the other day that was, 
you know, they're saying that COVID affects this many men and this many women. They don't say anything about the other 27 gender. All right. What are you going to do? <laughs> anyway, apparently, sorry. Apparently, gonna... if you're non-binary, you don't get COVID. Maybe that's the key. Or we just change the rules depending on what we want to say. So I have thoughts. Believe the science when we tell you what the science is based on our particular agenda. So COVID, believe the science. Sex, there's no science. It, you know, I don't know. It's crazy stuff. It let's is talk crazy about stuff. shoes. Um, <laughs> yes, let's talk <laughs> about shoes. It's because shoes, you get to decide what kind of shoes you want. Women stereotypically you, you buy more shoes than men. You don't get to decide. <laughs> don't get to decide your gender, but you do get to decide what shoes you will wear. Usually. And I've seen Clueless. And yeah. <laughs> and you get to decide whether you're going to murder someone or not, or pursue your ancestry to figure out if you're Mexican or not. But I, I feel like we're going to get flagged on this video just because we've so like, said Mexican. So we've now said I feel COVID, like I can wear said gender. Don't say vaccine. And a, <laughs> you know we're going to be just flagged all over every platform now because we've said oh, all the buzzwords. Golly. I'm going to have to throw some hashtags out there see if it gets us more hits. But did you miss me? No. <laughs> The uh, the yeah, reality is struggle with Jeff. we do uh. get to choose our shoes, choose particularly shoes. when we're talking about the shoes of gospel readiness, and that's what Paul was talking about in Ephesians six as he was moving us through the armor, and really what what amounts to the last piece of the armor uh, per se before he moves into some other items that go along with the armor uh, is the. The fitting of the feet, the the, mm -hmm. the shoeing of the readiness that, that comes with the gospel. And so, uh, as he's uh, as he's telling us this, and I'll just read his words, going back to verse ten, coming through verse fifteen of Ephesians six. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And he goes on to talk about some other things that we'll look at next week and the weeks that follow. But what he's saying is, you know, you've got, to, you've got to have that foundational aspect of truth that holds everything together. You've got to guard your heart with the righteousness of Christ uh, as the devil brings his accusations against you and tells you how worthless you are and how you will never be righteous and, and all the failings that you have. Um, he's, not, he's, not wrong. he's not wrong. Um, but the lying spirit goes beyond facts. Facts often lie when they're used to mislead. When, they, when people say statistics or numbers don't lie, that's true. They're just tools. It's the people using them that lie. And so when the devil brings truth, he brings it as a lie. So if he talks about my sin, that's 100% true. But his intent as the accuser of the brethren, brethren is to deceive, distract, and discourage so that he can ultimately destroy. And so if he can uh, convince me of, of the you know, dark nature of my, of my heart and the impossible nature of trying to be righteous, 
then he's going to be able to get to me in the fields, so to speak. And uh, I need to protect my vital organs by remembering the righteousness of Christ. It's not the righteousness that I've achieved, but the righteousness that I have received. And so uh, the last piece that he talks about here in, in keeping with this armor theme is to have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel. And, um, you know, I've heard a few different preachers talk about what Paul might have meant as far as this armor, if he had in mind the the armor of the Roman soldier, the armor mm -hmm. of the, the Jewish warrior and zealot, uh, going back even to the time of the Maccabees. Um, and uh, I think, yes, and it doesn't matter. The, right. the point is, say, yeah. he's bringing a metaphor that those in Ephesus in the first century are going to be familiar with, regardless of what he has in mind. Well, right. he knows. And if I'm reading that today, my mind immediately goes to almost like medieval armor. Right, that's, yeah, you, you know, hear armor that's and that's what, what been, we think right, of. That's right? what I've been, right. Uh, and, you know, if you're a combat soldier, right. you know, just leaving Afghanistan, you know, you're probably thinking entirely differently. Right. You're thinking of Kevlar vests and combat boots. And, and none of these things are inappropriate in, in taking hold of this. Um, the specifics of the armor that they would have been familiar with in the first century in Ephesus uh, do a lot to help us unpack this and, and understand where he's going. And what they would have understood is that Roman soldiers on their feet wore these collegae, these, the, these military sandals with a thick sole and hobnails in them uh, so that they protected the foot with the thick sole from all the things that you would step on and the, and the hard marching, especially as the empire expanded and you had to go farther and farther. And not surprisingly, if, if I know that an army is marching into my area, I want to lay sticks and sharp rocks and glass and right. things in their path to, to try to slow them down or hurt them. And it was not uncommon for armies, especially uh, you know those that did not have the resources of Rome, uh, to have their soldiers go in barefoot or with thin sandals or whatever else, uh, wearing holes in, in things. So the better shoes of the Roman Empire gave them advantages militarily. And Paul is saying here, look, you, you can take advantage of these spiritual shoes, what Alistair Begg calls gospel shoes. The, the nature of that is twofold. It, it's to protect you as you are progressing, as you're marching, and it is to allow you traction to stand and fight. When, when the battle is pitched, you're able to stand your ground. And so that's really kind of what, what Paul's getting at here is we've got... You know, we background's moving. How it's an illusion. <laughs> we need that funky music to come in, you know, the dream sequence music. So anyway, uh, you know, as he's talking about this, the, the point of what he's saying in all of this armor is so that we can stand our ground uh, against the devil's schemes because the devil schemes. He's strategic. He's crafty. And he, he, comes, uh, he comes in ways that can get through our armor. And right. all of our defense mechanisms in a, in a human sense are essentially armor. We're, we're guarding ourselves against vulnerability and, and pain. And so when people put up walls in relationships to, to guard themselves, it's a form of armor. It's this mm. defense. I've been burned. I don't want to be burned again. So I'm going to close myself off. I'm going to put this hedge around my heart. Uh, and, and there are a lot of different ways that, that we have 
human psychological defense mechanisms. I just wrote an article about that. You did. Because, you know, you've heard, everybody's heard of fight or flight. Yeah. But I just recently learned, and I've, I've heard of uh, flee before, mm-hmm. but I've recently learned about fawn. Have you heard that one? Fawn. F-A-W-N. And that's yeah. when you kind of just, like, say you've been abused by somebody, you kind of then just cater to them and do everything they want hmm. so, not, so as not to trigger them into a rage. It's a defense mechanism, so essentially, to protect and, yourself. Yeah. yeah. And we do all of these things in our own human understanding. And Paul's saying, look, the, the devil can defeat you in all of these things. Mm-hmm. But if you take up the armor that God gives you and you put this on, uh, if you're not a soldier in God's army, you don't have this at your disposal. You've not been issued these things because you're not enlisted as Christ's soldier. If you are in Christ, you have all of this at your disposal. Whether you put it on is up to you. And that's one of the sad Choice. things for us as as Christ followers is we have everything that we need right. and we don't put it on. Right. The unbelievers in the world have nothing that they need and they're constantly trying to protect themselves with something. We actually have the one thing that works, the reality of Christ, and we so regularly fail to put I personally so regularly fail to put it on so Same. so regularly or I'll put it fail. on for a minute and then take it off right you, you know chuck um, one of our overseers at churches he was opening the service on sunday uh was not no nope, that was the week before uh we're talking about uh, the breastplate he was talking about the armor and how you know once we get saved we should always have our armor on and, and you know you hear a lot of people talking about well these days all these things happening you really need your armor on is like you should have had your armor on before. If you're waiting until now, it's a little late in the game, right? You're already taking on the, you know, the injuries, the, the You don't wounds. wait till the middle of a battle to be like, wait. Uh, <laughs> uh, time out, right. push pause, right. let me dress up here. You need to be geared up and ready at all times. And yet the reality is we know we're not. Right. We should be. We're not. And on top of that, when we're in the battle, just like in, in the physical, practical aspects of this, the armor gets loosened. It needs to get readjusted. We periodically have to tie our shoes and, and you know set things right because we get knocked around. And that's to be expected. And if we don't expect that, then we will be shocked when the devil comes against us and, he, and uses all of the weapons in his arsenal. And we're like, I thought this was going to be easier. I, right. I, I thought I was going to be okay. I was going to be protected. And, you know, we talked about this with the... Um, with the, the breastplate of righteousness, that if, if you're wearing a bulletproof vest and you get shot with a 12 gauge, you can survive it. it it's going to stop the bullet, but it's going to hurt mm-hmm. a lot. You're going to be bruised. It's going to knock the wind out of you. You know, you may still have to go to the hospital to get checked out, but you survive it. Armor doesn't stop the pain. It right. stops the fatality. It stops the mortal wound. And so when we're wearing... Mortal combat in my head. Fatality. Because we are in <laughs> Mortal Kombat, for sure. And so Don't play Mortal Kombat. As, as you are wearing your gospel shoes, you're going to step on things, you know. And right. sometimes... It's going to hurt. It'll hurt. Like sometimes a Lego. you still might turn an ankle, you know. But if it's you've ever... the Kinex st- the other day. It, that it, was horrible. If anybody has ever stepped on a Lego or Kinex or Jacks, if you remember kids playing Jacks, uh, or... or any toy, matchbox cars, whatever it is, we've had. Scuba Steve! We've had, we've, <laughs> we've, ah, Scuba Steve! We've had lots of toys because we had lots of kids, oh. right? So lots of things get stepped on. 
Uh, I think my daughter left her spurs on the. On Ooh! The so, but that's worse than Scuba Steve. Yeah, thankfully is uh, knob spurs. But anyway, mm-hmm. as you're as you step on these things in the middle of the night barefoot, what's your normal reaction? Scuba Steve, <laughs> it's painful. It seems more painful, it, it, like when you don't expect it's it. It's overwhelming because right. you're not prepared. Right. You're not expecting. You're half awake. You're you're. If you were prepared for it. Right. You'd we say, probably wouldn't huh, step on it to begin I, with. I might be out here in the dark in the living room stepping on a toy that didn't get picked up. Right. Maybe I should put on something on my feet, right? Right. We don't generally do that because we're not prepared. But if you step on those same things wearing slippers, it doesn't hurt as much. Right. You step on those same things wearing tennis shoes, you hardly feel it. You step on those same things wearing, you know, thick-soled boots... And you can crush it. Poor toy, you know, but it doesn't affect me. Right. The same thing is true in our spiritual lives. When, when we are properly shod, if we're wearing the proper spiritual footwear, we're still going to step on things. Mm-hmm. And it still may affect our gait for a moment. We, we may, you know, trip and stumble. We may turn an ankle, but we're not taken down. You know, you step on a piece of glass barefoot, you may have to go to the hospital and get stitches. Step on a nail. You step on a nail. You may, you're going to have these things happen. And even if you're wearing, you know, boots, I've stepped on nails with tennis shoes that have gone through. If I wear boots, I don't think I've ever had a nail go through my boots. I know people who have. I don't think I ever have. Uh, Those those types of things, it slows it down. Mm -hmm. You still, you know, it still might hurt. Actually, I did step on a, a board with a... Uh, a nail on it when I was wearing boots, and it went through the boot, and it poked my foot, but it didn't. But if you were wearing you know, flip flops, it would have gone through. Right, your... it didn't injure me. Uh, maybe it bled a little bit. Mostly it hurt, and then I was irritated because I had a hole in my boot. So now it's going to get water. There's a snake in, in my boot. Uh, so we, we need to be aware. And I kind of you know mentioned on Sunday that the proper footwear makes all the difference. Just looking at at the difference between ballet and tap dancing. Mm. Dramatically different shoes. Mm-hmm. You can be the best in the world at what you do, but if you reverse those shoes, you're not going to be able to perform effectively. Yeah, that wouldn't be great. You know, Barishnikov wearing tap shoes is not going to be able to perform the Nutcracker or, or whatever. Um, if Fred Astaire in, in uh, point shoes, it's going to make a clumping sound, not a tapping sound. You know, it, I'll, well, he... Could probably pull it off, but the reality of I was a Gene uh, Kelly he, fan. He just <laughs> me too, actually. Uh, Gene Kelly is an athlete. He brought he brought muscularity to it. But I digress. And he was cute. So anyway, well, there you have it. Uh, one thing that sticks out to me is not only I don't think cute is ever a word that was used with Fred Astaire. Probably not even as a kid. No, I don't think debonair, perhaps. Yeah. Elegant. I don't think Gen- cute. gentlemanly. Yeah, I don't think cute ever came. I don't know that I would describe Gene Kelly as cute if I was just like having a conversation with somebody, but we're on a podcast, so I'm just going to say cute. You might, actually. I might. Um, what was I saying? Oh. He, he, he was a lot of Tony Danza in there, that, that Gene Kelly. No. Very similar. No. Watch him sometime. I do. Think Tony Danza. Watch him. I do. Same, watch him. Same squinty smile. Both tremendous dancers. Both athletes turned dancers. Now I want to watch Who's the Boss. Anyway. He doesn't dance enough in that. No. Um, not not only... I want to watch him with Joey Lawrence on a TV special well, from my childhood. So. Um, was Joey Lawrence on that show? Uh, Joey Lawrence was on a different show. I, he may have guessed it on there, but they had a they had a couple of different specials where they would dance together. On, on Joey Lawrence and Tony Danza? Yeah. Are they related at all or just 
Good dancers. No, just both cute dancers. I watched Joey Lawrence on Blossom. He was already old and grown at that point. He was like teenager. Yeah, with the great hair. He was anyway. So, he was so much cuter at eight. I disagree. Um, you just didn't see him at eight. <laughs> that's creepy. Um, <laughs> not, correct me if I'm wrong. And this You're wrong. Is just, okay, Sorry. let's move on. Go ahead. Um, not only necessarily the You're type. You're wrong because he was cuter at eight. I'm just saying. But. <laughs> the hair. Um, I think for hair. That's it why might, I like. That's it might have like, been the same hair, actually. That's why I like John Stamos in Full House. Mm, yeah. Anyway. Um, we had a podcast about spiritual things, didn't we? <laughs> and now it's a back. hair cast. Um, <laughs> Welcome to the hair cast. <laughs> you're, you're not qualified. I, yeah. um, anyway, in addition to the type of footwear I you're putting on. I come from a family on, of beauticians. How about that? There you go. Your beard is nicely mm. trimmed. Um, in addition to. We work with what we have. The type of footwear. It's as good as it's going to get. In addition <laughs> to the type of footwear. What stuck out to me was this one line, and I just, I wasn't there on Sunday because I was ill, but I watched it later online, and what was kept popping into my head was that scene from Forrest Gump where he gets into, I don't know if he's in basic training, or he must be, he must be overseas at that point. He shows up in country in Vietnam and meets yeah. Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, and Lieutenant Dan hands him a pair of socks. With bubble blue next to him. Right, and says, you know, always take care of your feet. Yeah. And I've heard my, my sister was once married to an army ranger, and he would, he would say things like, you know, guys in the field, they would take several pairs of socks with them because their feet would get wet right. and you'd get trench foot or something like that. And you, Absolutely true. And taking care of your feet to make sure you were ready and prepared was extremely important. And that kind of goes back to what you were saying about, you know, the old armies or, or troops in, in these times that would go in barefoot and not have the protection that they needed. And so in addition to to readiness as far as the type of footwear you have, I think just that speaks to overall readiness, mm -hmm. taking care of your feet, in, metaphorically speaking in a way, but just being prepared for that. Oh, yeah. Well, and even just the technology of shoes has changed right. so much. You know, Now people be putting blood in their shoes. <laughs> when, uh, Sorry. For those of you who missed Sorry. that reference, you don't care. No. And you don't, you, you you don't want care. to know. Anyhow, um, you know, when I was in basic training, you know, however many years ago, 30-some years ago, they... they when you issued, had hair? I had it for a moment. It, <laughs> it was gone, and it's never come back. Anyway, they, uh, when they issued our combat boots, they were not significantly different than the boots that my father was mm. issued when he was in, you know, 20 years before that. So, <clears throat> um, the... The speed lacing was was different, and and that was really the basic difference. We had the same soles, and the same leather, you know, Standard leather boots. Standard issue, kind of. Um, they laced differently with, you know, it's changed so much now since then. You, you're oh, really? like three, four different generations of boots that have gone gone through, and now they have different boots for different combat environments. Mm -hmm. um, the technology of shoes has changed a lot. And uh, my son Ricky and I were just talking about um, the the advent of Nike when they blew up in, in the 80s. And mm -hmm. Adidas was everything, but really even before that, Converse mm -hmm. was that all the basketball players wore Converse. And then that had a resurgence when you guys were in school and Converse came back. And Anyway, until Michael Jordan, Nike was just this little small company that nobody really cared that much about. And... Jordan <laughs> committed to, at one point to playing a game in, the, in those original 84 Jordans. 
which I think you know now they're calling them Air Jordan ones or something like that. Whatever it is, I can't keep up. I'm not a sneakerhead. But he, you know, he wore those old shoes, which were cutting edge at the time, right. and they were better developed than anybody had ever had. And his feet bled because they were so much less uh, padded and you know less developed than what they had been since that you know couldn't believe wow did we ever play in these you look at at the you know the chuck taylor converse all-stars right. that no support that people only wear for fashion right now. but that was a breakthrough when, when those came out that was a breakthrough in footwear to allow for better athleticism if you watch grease it was, was based in the 50s, I think. Yep. They're all the athletic scenes, they're all wearing black Converse high tops. Yep. And, and I'm like, dang, how are you doing it's anything? All, it's all anybody had because right. that, that was kind of Like they're hands. running track in Converse high tops. Yeah, if you've ever worn those things, it's flat rubber. Right. There's no arch support. No support. It's just, you know, canvas. And, and uh, you know, people wear them now because it's cool to wear right. them, not because this is super I'm comfortable and, and super right. athletic. Um and, and Mine now, actually give me now blisters, they're so but... specialized, you know. And even right. if you look at, you know, the development of cleats for outdoor sports, how much right. it's changed. All of these things are are very specific this to what you're going through. Super interesting because you got, it's got me thinking about like like when I was. I've never said anything super interesting well, this, in my life. You should so be was, a shoe guy because this is interesting. Um, when I was in middle school, early high school, I got super into like the skating scene like Tony Hawk and punk yeah. and whatever and that scene was a little bit converse but Vans really broken yes and that was known as like the skater shoe yes and super thick padding right. super right. flat soles so I don't know if, and, and skaters would have I like their own some knockoff Vans because I was not paying the money for Vans, Vans are expensive and skaters would have like Jordan had a shoe like there'd be a Tony Hawk shoe yeah. and blah, blah 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 and so it's interesting how I mean, I already knew this. I already know this, but different shoes are never different. <laughs> now the only athletes hey that really wear Converse All-Stars are weightlifters where you want to flex Right, sole. right. And, you know, I didn't think it would make a difference, but but when I was uh, coaching uh, the football players and I uh, was lifting with them, lifting in your regular shoes, which generally speaking, if you have athletic shoes, running shoes, they're elevated in the heel, mm -hmm. a little thicker padding and, and less elevated at the front. It's the opposite of what you're looking for in a lifting shoe. So... Um, Reebok had a line of specifically lifting shoes, which were basically glorified Converse mm -hmm. All-Stars. Uh, totally flat shoes. It really changes the mm -hmm. dynamic of how you stand, which change, you know, that change in stance changes the lift itself. Never imagined that it would make a, that much of a difference. Right. Something that small really did. Now imagine going to, trying to play basketball in, like I mentioned before, tap shoes. Yeah, you know, that's not going to work. That's why you break you know, the neck. <laughs> yeah, if if you're, you know, if you're a woman who wears, you know, whatever kind of normal woman shoes, uh, <laughs> if you're wearing, you know, whether you go out there, you're woman wearing shoes, you're you're, you're wearing, you're wearing your wedges, shoes. and and you're trying to play, and it's not going to work, you know. And I had to tan when I I remember being in dance class and switching from like the normal tap shoes to high heels. And I thought I was going to die. But you get used to it. Like high-heeled tap shoes. <laughs> Did you ever see the video of Chris Pratt on whatever talk show walking in high-heeled no, shoes No, but on. I've seen a lot of men walking he's, in high-heeled. He's, he, he's pretty good at he's it. He's walking down the steps and everything like he'd practiced this. So I had questions. But anyway, the, uh, the reality of woman's shoes <laughs> is, uh, or whatever dress shoes. If I, you know, if right. I wear the shoes I was wearing on Sunday and we go out after church and... and 
the guys were like, hey, let's go play some basketball. First off, nobody asked me to play basketball because I'm terrible. But I would be worse wearing those shoes. You know, that's not going to work. Or if, even if I'm wearing football cleats mm-hmm. trying to play basketball on a hard court, that's not going to work. Right. Uh, because it doesn't give me the proper traction. And if, and if we're talking about these things spiritually, the, the, what we get in these shoes, these gospel shoes to steal from bag again, is protection and traction. And, and it comes from, the, the shoes are the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Hmm. And that's been the theme of Paul's letter as he's talking about our peace with God, the peace that we have because we've been chosen and adopted and, and made his children, the, the peace that we have because we've been saved by grace. Uh, and, and as we have been transferred from death to life, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the beloved son, and we have gone from being darkness. He said, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord to live as children of light. Those, those transfers, those changes that, that the Lord has given us in the gospel give us peace with him. And because of that peace with him, it changes everything else. And so we need to be not only ready to stand, but we need to be ready to go, to go and make disciples. We need to be ambassadors for Christ. Uh, Sunday night uh, at this uh, night of worship event that my daughter's dance studio did, uh, I spoke on Isaiah 6. And when you look at at how Isaiah responds, and I know we've talked about this lots of times, uh, and will again, it's one of my one of my favorite, most impactful uh, passages in Scripture. When Isaiah sees God, and he, and he, for the first time, really gets the glory and holiness of who God is, with these flaming angels flying around, covering their faces and feet in humility before God, crying out, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty." He's, to, to borrow from, from his own words in, in one of the translations, he was undone. Mm. He, he's, woe to me, I'm, I'm ruined. I'm a dead man because I'm dirty and I've seen God. I'm a man of unclean lips from a people of unclean lips. And I've seen God. And the, only, the only thing on his mind is I'm a dead man. You know, just absolutely dumbstruck. But when God sends one of these angels these seraphim, burning ones, to take a coal from the altar and take that coal and put it against Isaiah's lips. This, the holiness of God represented in this coal, his, his righteousness. It always catches my attention that the burning ones, right. this flaming angel, has to use tongs to carry this coal. That's not, you know, I, that's not a wasted image. And he touches it to Isaiah's lips and says, Behold, your, your sin has been atoned for, mm. right? It's, it's been paid for. Your sin has been taken away and paid for by God. God did this. And Isaiah's response then, after the humility of recognizing the person of God mm. and the absolute fear, not, not uh, you know, holy reverence, holy terror of right. recognizing who God is, and, and the only fitting thing is my, my utter destruction. But God reaches down and fixes my problem in his mercy and grace. And I realize he's on my side and he has taken the badness from me 
his response is, Lord, send me. Let me tell everybody about this. And, and Paul has a similar response. And, and it's in 2 Corinthians 5, it's one of the calmer places he talks about it. Because so often when Paul starts talking, this happens at the end of Ephesians 3, when, when Paul talks about the gospel that, that brings us peace with God and, and peace in the world, and it, it just overwhelms him. And he usually ends up bursting out in some kind of doxology of, right. of praise. And in, in 2 Corinthians 5, it's a mental transition. In fact, let me, let me read it because otherwise I'll end up preaching it and then we'll be here all day and we're already you know, past where we want to be with that. So in 2 Corinthians 5, in a, in a more cerebral uh, response, it's similar to Isaiah's. I've, I've been saved. I should be dead. And God transferred me from death to life because of his great love and mercy. And as he told Titus, not, not by works of righteousness that we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And because that's true, how can I keep silent? How can I shut up? All of the believers in the book of Acts, when they, when they recognize what just happened, Jesus died, they saw that he rose again. He sends into heaven. They receive the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, these cowering people who are uh, scared to death of circumstances and scared to death of, of you know, being alone, you know, not sure what's going to happen. Their faith has been shaken. And they get it now. Mm-hmm. And now, hey, bring on the jail. Bring on the persecution. It doesn't matter to me anymore because I know the reality and it's bigger and it changes everything. And the response is, I got to go tell the world because everybody out here is dead and needs to be brought to life right. by Christ. So in, in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, 5, uh, Paul says in verse 11, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We get it. We've seen him. We recognize God is holy and we're not. And, and the, the vast implications of that. <clears throat> Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. And then he goes on to uh, talk a little bit about uh, who they are and, and, and so on. But verse 14, he says, For Christ's love compels us, because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. That's an interesting thing to remember. As he is viewing others, he is saying here the same thing in a different way that that he says in Ephesians 6. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. You're not my enemy. You're not my problem. Whatever issue we've got going on here, it's not the president. It's not the other political party. It's not the friend that betrayed me or or my ex who treated me badly. They're not the problem. The issue is spiritual. It's the forces of darkness at work in the world, not these people. And so then he says, we don't regard anyone, verse 16, from now on, we, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ this way, according to the flesh, according to our human understanding, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. That's the peace that, of the gospel. So when Paul talks about the gospel of peace, the reconciliation is what he has in mind, the mm-hmm. harmony and shalom that comes from what Christ has done for us. 
All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What he's already said. We, we get it. It's happened. We've been saved. So we want other people to know. We want to persuade others uh, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. This is the gospel of peace. Not counting men's sins against them in, in his patience. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are there, there, we are there for Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And then he goes on to speak to, to the, the Christ followers in Corinth by saying, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. In the day of my salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. So while the gospel goes out, the first, the first imploring, the first pleading is that we would receive this gospel of peace, that we would receive salvation, peace with God through what Jesus did for us. And when we get that, then the circumstances start to fall into place mentally for us. And, and that's what happened with Paul and Peter. It, it didn't happen all at once. It did with Paul, you know, you know, but even with Paul, then he goes away, you know, gets, gets alone in the wilderness and goes away to, to learn and to, to develop. And then he comes back. We don't see there's a gap in time. We don't right. see that personal development that takes place. But there's a growth that each of us has to deal with as we're, as we're processing the reality of Christ in our lives that, that hits us at different times and in, in different, uh, at a different pace for each one of us as we realize the reality of Christ is eternal. The unseen things are eternal, and this is the, the greater reality. The things that we perceive with our senses overwhelm us a lot of the time but they overwhelm us because our eyes are on our circumstances rather than on Christ. So when we recognize God's sovereignty, and that's one of the key messages that we see in the first three chapters of Ephesians, is that God is doing what he's always planned to do. It's, it's not out of control. Things are not just happening, and we hope God catches it and reacts to it. Right. But he has already given Christ authority. And even now, in, in this time between the now and the not yet, he is bringing together all things in the entire universe, and Romans spells this out for us a little bit, all things coming together under his kingdom rule in Christ. Now, by declaration and in the consummation of all things, will the, the practical reality of that will be fulfilled uh, and, and come to a, a head, so to speak. But we have the peace of God in the midst of our storms because we recognize his sovereignty. So that first plea that, that Paul makes here, the same as, as Isaiah would after seeing God, is i got to tell everybody. Right. God is holy, and he wants to save you from your unholiness. He wants to take your sin away. Christ died for us. He became sin on our behalf so that we could become Christ's righteousness. And when we get that, it, it knocks us down. Mm -hmm. And understanding the grace of God picks us back up, sets us on our feet, winds us up and sets us loose to go and, and be a witness for Christ. And so then we have the peace in God together of recognizing that we're all on the same team. 
you know, the, you're my sister in Christ. You, you know, you're the age of my children. You know, we have very different uh, backgrounds and tastes and genders. All, all, but none of that matters because we're on the same team. We're we are you both united to Christ. Therefore, we are united in Christ. And so we have this solidarity, this peace in God that comes from being part of the same body. And when we put all of these aspects and implications of the gospel together, we, we get that. And the, the identity equation comes together in our minds. It's, it's me plus Christ equals wholeness. Mm-hmm. That, that whole thing makes us ready to carry out the mission, to, to stand and fight against the devil's schemes. He can't deceive us the same way. It's not that we don't stumble. Of course we do. But we don't suffer the fatal wound. We're able to keep on marching. We're able to stand our ground. And we're ready then to go forth with the mission to carry the gospel out to those who don't know so that we can be ambassadors and carry on this ministry of reconciliation. So uh, ultimately, the reality of our new life in Christ is the thing that makes us ready to carry out the mission that we have in Christ. Okay, we will stop there because surprise, we're over time. Uh, surprise. Surprise. Uh, I don't think guys... Jeff and I went as long. Really? No, so. there's... I'm out. Uh... <laughs> I'm not saying it was as good, but it was, it was uh, probably shorter. I listened. It's never as good when it's, when it's over the phone, but... True, and it's never as good without Stacy. No, special. Uh, thank you guys for listening. If you have any questions or comments, shoot, I forgot to post it again. I need to set myself a reminder. You were sick. I was sick. I was sick. Um, if you have any questions or comments. Dude, that's sick. Sick. Feel free to email us at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org or leave it on Facebook or YouTube or, you know, wherever you feel like. Send a <laughs> Just randomly on the street corner, drop a note. We'll, drop a note. we'll come by. We see things. Um, we promise that you will not hear swearing and foulness. Even if we talk about weird things, we will not have a lot of swearing like you see on other podcasts. A lot. A lot. Even some pretty good ones that I'm like, dude... Uh, get get the soap. We're going to wash them off. I'm surprised, and this is irrelevant, one of the podcasts I listen to is a One Tree Hill podcast with three of the girls that were originally on the show. And they could, there's no reason for them not to be explicit and swear. And they do, but every time they swear, it bleeps it out. I'm like, I wonder why they made that choice. Maybe just to avoid an E rating. Must must be them. Anyway. Now people are putting it in the titles for some of the most popular podcasts in the world explicit foulness in the titles of the podcast and episodes. Well, we do promise to never do that. We will not do that. We might annoy you with 90s references. We promise we will do as much of that as possible. But never through swearing. And 50s references. And and pretty much all the pop culture references. From Backstreet Boys to Gene Kelly, we've got it all. We are the home of professional podcasting. And it's as good as it's going to get. It is indeed. Thanks for listening, everyone. Oh, our phone number if you want to leave us a voicemail. Nobody leaves a voicemail. <laughs> we did get one. We That's true. Yeah. 269-756-RLCC. Or if you listen with the Anchor app, you can leave a voicemail directly on there. And I think that's it. And we will give you $1 million. No, that is not true. Wow. We did say not anytime soon because we realized then what episode this actually is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when our, What was it? Our 300th? On our 300th episode... Mm-hmm. That doesn't count. We will give you $1 million. <laughs> I don't know this, man. No. Um, we, will might, we might do a little giveaway. 
We might. We might. It's still a little ways away. Because will, will we, we give away appropriate footwear? No. Oh. I mean, I have some old shoes that somebody can have. Do we have a belt good. or a breastplate we can give away? If we have a breastplate, if you can find a breastplate. Is something real breastplate? That'd be cool with like this logo on it. Nice, yeah. This logo? I put it in the screen. <laughs> With with this logo? logo? Cool. That'd be cool. Anyway. Wow. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're a slick operation here. Bye. Peace.